0: The Night Owl Podcast, Campfire Episode 8, Cautionary Tales. Welcome to the Night Owl Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ballou, and this is a place for all you restless spirits out there to tune in and hear true tales of the paranormal. I hunt these stories down, capture them from the mouths of those who experience them, and share them with you right here. If you have a story to tell, we're currently looking for more personal ghost stories, so if you or someone you know has one, please submit it to us for consideration. Go to the owlpodcast.com click on the Submit Your Story page, and let us hear your ghost story. We'd love to consider it for the show. Warning. Tonight's campfire episode is a cautionary tale. Stories from people not unlike you and me. Who continually search for answers that might shed light on the eternal question are ghosts real come join me by the fire and let's get transported to three haunted locations each with its own haunted history one such place is zach bagan's haunted museum in las vegas a place filled with supposed haunted objects and a sign posted as a warning of the dangers that one must acknowledge before entering the museum another site is the historic jefferson hotel where guest encounters are so frequent, they've created a guest book full of personal experiences that staff now call the Book of the Dead. And lastly, the Magnolia Hotel in Seguin, Texas, a place with so much history and haunts that the owner once stated, I love it when people say, if only these walls could talk. Here at the Magnolia, they do. Cozy up, grab a cup of coffee or a glass of whiskey, and join me by the fire. Stay tuned. Before we begin the show, I have just a couple of short announcements. We have our first ghost tour of Pioneer Farms coming up. This tour will be an intimate deep dive of the location with me, Sarah, and Alexis as your tour guides. We'll take you along the trails we walked, stopping at the places we stopped. And to top it off, we're ending this incredible night with a warm campfire on this historic site. This special tour will be on the night of the new moon. November 26th, when the energy is high, and we will only have 20 tickets available. As usual, Patreon supporters got first dibs on these tickets, and by the time this recording is released, I'm not sure if tickets will still be available, but you can go to our website, thenightoutpodcast.com, and click on our events page to find out. Finally, we're thrilled to announce that we won Best Local Podcast in the Austin Chronicles 2019 Readers Poll. You all voted and brought home this amazing win for us. A big thank you to all the listeners out there, and a special thank you to our Patreon supporters who have continued to make this show possible financially. Actually, everyone, including you listeners, owe a big thank you to our Patreon supporters. Straight up, without the support of them, this show actually could not exist. So thank you, sincerely, Patreon supporters. But I couldn't go on without thanking one more group of people. My team. Tao, Alexis, Sarah, Jennifer, Dad, Nick, Bo, David, Alex, Alicia, Sean, Sandra, Brian, Mikey, Franklin, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the hard work, the long hours and dedication that you put in to make this show what it is. This episode is brought to you by Oh Boy Print Shop. When you need custom t-shirts, this shop's got your back. Crisp, clean t-shirt printing without setup fees or hidden costs and always delivered on time. OboyPrintShop.com That's O-H-B-O-Y PrintShop.com Mention The Night Owl Podcast and get $50 off your first order. I can assume that if you're listening to the show, you probably have an interest in spooky stuff. Some of you might be into horror movies or books, maybe goth culture, witchcraft, esoteric arts, magic, maybe even murder, mayhem, and true crime. But most apparent right now is that you like ghost stories. Growing up, I was fascinated with the scary stories. I wanted to devour them in any form I could get my hands on. And Halloween was my absolute favorite holiday. So much so that I even created haunted attractions in my small town as a kid. But why was I drawn to this stuff? Why is anybody, Really? I'm sure those who sit on the other side of the fence look at us and think we're a little strange. Hell, they might even be afraid of us. But I feel there's a reason we like creepy stuff. Aside from just taste, which plays into it, of course. But our brains actually have a lot to do with it. I once read an interesting article on Healthline.com called Why We Like to Be Scared. In it, they reference a Dr. Margie Kerr, a sociologist and author of the book called Scream. Chilling Adventures in the Science of Fear, who basically says that when we get scared, our body reacts like a well-oiled machine, pumping out neurotransmitters and hormones that in turn actually produce a positive outcome in us. It makes us feel good. But there's a catch to this. For this to happen, it has to be under the right kind of scary circumstances. For this so-called feel-good chain reaction to occur in our bodies, it has to be a scary situation that we know is safe. For instance, scary movies, carnival rides like roller coasters, and staged haunted houses. She describes this type of experience as hijacking your flight response and simply just enjoying the ride. Our mind and body know that there's no real danger, but it still responds in this way to it. I found this intriguing, but I began to think about how this all relates to me, and perhaps you listeners out there who are so curious when it comes to ghosts and the supernatural. For those of us who seek out ghosts in our own unique ways, whether it's listening to the show, taking a haunted tour, or maybe even investigating a haunted site, do we get the same positive high that Dr. Kerr refers to? Maybe. But this last thought brought up an important note here for me. She says it only works if you know you're safe. So for those of us who believe, or are open to believing in ghosts, does this still apply? And if we travel to haunted places in hopes of finding something... How do we really feel if we actually find what it is we're looking for? Tonight's three stories shed light on this very question and throw up a warning sign to all of those who seek out paranormal experiences for themselves. A couple of the stories will reference some photographs that were taken, and I'll be sure to include these in a blog post on our website. A couple of years ago, Holly and two of her friends decided to celebrate her birthday by traveling from Austin to Shreveport to hit up a casino for the very first time. But on the way there, they discovered that there was a hotel in Jefferson, Texas that was reputedly haunted. So Holly and her friends decided, let's get a room. And there were plenty of rooms available at this historic hotel nestled on a small side street of this Texas ghost town. Holly didn't know it at the time, but she was about to get the scariest birthday present of her entire life. I call this story vacancy. My
1: name is Holly Barrington. I was born and raised in Austin, Texas, and I've always had fascination with the paranormal. My story takes place, though, in Jefferson, Texas in December of 2016. I decided to go with a couple of friends on a trip for my birthday. I'm 38 now, so at the time I was turning 36. And the main goal of the trip at first was actually to go to Shreveport to gamble. I had never done that before and figured I should because it sounded really fun. As we were looking for a hotel, we realized that Jefferson, Texas, is actually known for being a pretty haunted area. Um, They have several hotels there that are haunted. In fact, the hotel we ended up staying at is one of the top ten most haunted hotels in Texas, from what I understand after kind of reading up on it after the fact. So, you know, we decided to go, thinking it would be a lot of fun, not really expecting much. We get to Jefferson, Texas. It's myself, my friend Ashley, and my friend Chris. We get to the city, which looks like a complete ghost town. It's basically one street, and it looks like almost everything is on this street, and then maybe a couple of antique shops around a block or two. Once we got to the hotel to check in, we all noticed, the three of us, that we all ended up getting pretty bad headaches. And the weather had gotten a whole lot colder than it had previously whenever we left. We just chalk it up to the weather. So we go across the way. We eat couple of burgers at this other bar. We decide to kind of look around the town and check out all the antiques. When we leave the hotel to go and get this food, our headaches kind of subside after a while. So we're thinking, okay, yeah, we definitely just needed to get food and everything. So a couple hours later, we get back to the hotel so that we can get ready for the evening, shower up and headed out to for to do some gambling. So we're there for several hours and we end up getting back around I want to say it was around midnight, maybe. It wasn't too terribly late, considering it was a Saturday evening. And we decide we're not exactly tired yet, so we want to maybe find a movie to watch and have a couple of drinks, because it is, after all, my birthday celebration. So Chris decides to go and get ice for us from the ice machine down the hallway. And one of the men from the room, I guess it was like a man and his wife, They were standing outside, and they were packing up and getting ready to leave in the middle of the night. We're trying to determine what the problem is, because it is pretty late, and they are a little older. I would say they're probably in their 60s or so, so it's kind of odd to see them up so late. So about 15 minutes pass by, and Chris goes back in the hallway. At that time, the man who was across the hall from us told him that they are leaving and to look out for the woman in white. Chris asked him what he meant by the lady in white and the man elaborated a bit saying that um, they kept hearing noises whenever they were trying to sleep and it sounded like it was coming from outside so the man supposedly stood up, looked out his window to look outside and there was a handprint on the window right in front of him that came from inside of the hotel but he was the only one standing there that freaked him out and that caused him and his wife to leave at, I guess now it's about 12, 1230 in the morning or so, in the middle of the night in Jefferson, Texas, which is in the middle of nowhere. I don't know where the nearest city is, but it's not anywhere close by. So, you know, they're going to have to be driving for a while just to get back. So, we immediately decide that we want to investigate. Well, at least Ashley decides she wants to investigate. I personally had not been feeling well since we got back, because it seems like every time we got to the hotel, no matter how great I'd been feeling while we were out, I immediately started to feel nauseous or have really intense headaches. So I decided to just lay in bed with the lights on while Steve and Chris decided to go and investigate. They didn't see anything, but they did say that they noticed that the door was open, the I guess the couple had never actually shed it all the way. They didn't see anything in
2: the room. So
1: that kind of calms their minds a little bit. And we ended up deciding to just go to sleep because that was pretty unsettling and we're no longer really in the mood to, you know, watch movies. It's just been a long day and I'm really not feeling good by that point. So over the next couple of hours, though, what happened was not anything that we expected. We began to hear weird noises, like it sounded like keys were dropping in the bathroom over and over and over and over again. It sounded like babies were crying in another room, which, you know, I just assumed to myself, I'm sure that, you know, whoever has their kids here, the kids probably are having a hard time sleeping. It happens. I have kids of my own. I totally get it. But that did add a little bit to not being able to sleep. I know that the closet door that The room that we were staying in kept kind of opening on its own, but I kept chalking that up to the fact that it's a very old building. Maybe it was just settling, you know, not a big deal. I'm basically just trying to find reasons why every, find logical reasons as to why
3: these things are happening. My name is Ashley Cherie, and I'm from Dallas, Texas. I'm going to tell you about my account in Jefferson at the Jefferson Historic Hotel During our stay there, we did experience some strange activity. The first thing that happened actually happened during the day. Holly noticed it. Every time that we would leave the room, the closet door would continuously pop open, but it would remain shut the entire time when we were actually present in the room. That was pretty odd. The real fun actually started at night. So since there were two beds, I laid down in the one that was on the left. Um, She was over in the other one. And we were just laying down to uh, go to sleep, probably around 12 a.m. We began to hear what could be best described as clanking sound coming from the bathroom. Um, Sounded kind of like a metal fork or a spoon being thrown onto the ground. So every time that we would get up, well actually every time I would get up to go check on the noise, um, it would stop. If so i turn on the light, there wouldn't be any noise. Um, I'd have it, the light on for at least five minutes, no noise. As soon as I would turn off the light and go lay back down, then the clanking would start again, um, which was really, really strange because this was not happening during the day while we were there.
1: What really, really changed my mind on the whole thing, though, was whenever I was just about to convince myself it's okay to just fall asleep in the strange place, that's creeping us out I noticed it felt like someone was playing this little peggy on my toes I tried to tell my friends who were in the bed next to me and you know they didn't not believe me but they kind of thought it was funny and didn't think anything more of it just thought it was funny so I decided to try to sleep in a different position I ended up laying on my right side and just closing my eyes and I remember just having this thought after a couple minutes that I really needed to opened my eyes because I felt like I was being watched. And when I opened my eyes, lo and behold, in front of me, I saw this black, round mask, like a face right in front of me with very dark, stringy hair, or very dark hair that
3: was possibly dreadlocks, right in my face. I mean, like, almost touching my face. So when I was laying in the bed next to her, um, I heard her gasp, like, <gasps> and I, I said, what's the matter, Holly? She basically whispered, and I can hear the trembling in her voice. I remember that I screamed and I started crying, which I really don't cry very much. It takes a lot
1: to make me, you know, actually break out in tears for something. And the fact that this did alarmed my friends because they know this about me as well. And Ashley ended up
3: getting in bed with me at that point because I was severely freaked out and felt like I couldn't sleep at all. It did make my adrenaline go up a little bit, you know, but um, I crawled over there into bed with her just to make her feel better. You know, we were both in separate beds. So that was a little spooky in itself whenever there's activity going on in the room. So I finally start calming down and she was basically just hugging me (laughs) while we are in bed. We're hugging each other, trying to calm down and trying, we just wanted to get sleep and get out of there. So as we were laying there quietly and, of course, very alert, um, we felt something warm brush against both of our feet.
1: I remember she said, oh, my God, I just felt something touching my toes. She felt it, too. I'm not crazy. I'm not making this up. This actually happened. This happened a while ago, too.
3: For me, is. I'm a little bit more skeptical. That definitely made me believe there was something in the room. So, of course, I turned on the light, stayed up for a little while after that, probably at least until 2 or 3 a.m. So, by that point, we were doing all we could to try to sleep, to finally go to sleep,
1: even though throughout the whole time, we're constantly waking up. Just because of all the noise, from the sound of the keys dropping on the floor in the bathroom, to the babies crying, It sounded like people were walking down the hallway at some point, which, again, you know, it's a hotel. It's full. The walls are in. Not a big deal. It's just really trying to sleep, and it's hard to do with all this noise. So by the time we wake up in the morning, I don't recall exactly what time it is, but I do know that it is too early for any of the stores to be open because we decided to immediately leave to get out of there. We couldn't check out yet because the people that work in the office weren't even there yet. We just wanted to get out of the hotel because it was freaking us out. We ended up walking around in the 30 degree weather without the appropriate clothing for that because it wasn't supposed to be that cold, mind you. Basically just killing time over a couple of hours because we needed to wait for places to open. So one, we could get some breakfast and two, so that we could go ahead and check out and go home. And by the time we finally get back to the hotel, we had packed everything up because all we wanted to have to do at this point is just go in and say, here's our keys, we're leaving by. So we get there to do that, and then Ashley realizes she could not find a necklace that I had actually just given her for an early Christmas present. So we need to go back to the room to check on that as well. So as we're asking about that, we also inquired as to what happened to a couple across from us the night before who had left early in the morning, So which the hotel staff told us that, They did leave a note saying that, yes, they saw the lady in white, and it freaked them out, and they don't even care about a refund. They just aren't coming back, and they left their keys and everything. So that was interesting to find out. they're explaining this to us, we just so happened to run into some other people who are checking out who happen to be ghost hunters from Bandera, Texas, I believe is where they were from. And they start showing us different pictures that they've taken over the years of different places, but also pictures they've taken of this hotel that we've stayed at over several years. They've stayed there multiple times. They try to stay in a different room each time to get different experiences.
3: Then it got really interesting because they started showing us some pictures that they had taken the night before, um, that morning. One of the ladies there, there was a lady and a man, Um, she had her computer open there and she was showing us the pictures, and in one of the rooms, they had taken a picture of what looked like a, um, a dog underneath one of the chairs with glowing eyes, but this hotel, they told me that there was no dog staying in that room at all. And In fact, I don't think that they allow dogs there. Um, This was definitely some sort of creature. Clearly, you could see the two glowing eyes underneath the chair.
1: We began to exchange our stories as to the noises we were hearing and all that, to which we learned that actually the only people staying in the hotel that night, besides myself and my friends, these ghost hunters, which was just a man and a woman who stayed downstairs, and the people across from us that left in the middle of the night, that was it. So there was no baby (laughs) that we heard crying all night. There's no children staying there. There was no one there roaming the halls throughout the night. There was no one dropping and everything. So basically, that's when we realized that everything we heard and saw was actually happening and real. We were not going crazy, and we were validated and being freaked out because these things really happened. To make it a little bit more interesting those hunters actually told us that they had stayed in the same room that we had stayed in before, I guess maybe a year or two prior. And they told us that they could sometimes like a couple of times that they were staying there, actually they would have something that they were looking for and it would get in or place they couldn't find it. Like for instance, a man couldn't find his watch a couple of times and it would keep appearing like out of nowhere for them. And they think it was a ghost doing it. Well, remember I said before we were going back because Ashley couldn't find the necklace I gave her and she was going to check the room one more time we checked it none of us can find the necklace anywhere and lo and behold as we were about to walk out of that hotel room for the final time it just happens to be on the bed right there by the door on a made bed so it's not like the covers were messed up and it was just under there no the bed was perfectly made already it just was there on the bed and was not there before we mentioned that to the hotel staff whenever we went back downstairs to let them know that we did find it and they said oh yeah that happens all the time in that room people might feel like they're misplacing something but whatever spirits in there really enjoys looking at jewelry and things of that nature and shiny things and they will go missing very often and then reappear at that point, I did ask the um, concierge if anyone else has ever told her stories about their stay or anything, you know, any other weird things, because we're really intrigued at, by it at this point. And she pulls out a huge binder filled with nothing but handwritten stories from people that have stayed there who have either written the stuff down before they left or mailed it into them or emailed it into them after the fact. Dating all the way up to even a week prior to when we were there, which was December of 2016. I mean, it was really fascinating. I There was no way I could read all of them because we were on a time crunch and getting back home. I had to get back here to Austin to my children. But I will say that the thing that really, really, really gets to me about this whole story is that despite everything, everything that we've seen, everything we've felt, I saw in there... A journal entry by another woman who is about the same age as me, in which she describes the black mass right in front of her face. The same thing that I saw when I opened my eyes. That made me cry. She saw the same thing, and she drew a picture of it, and it looked almost exactly like what I saw. And that pretty much gave me all the validation I needed to know that I was not making it up. Someone else experienced the same thing I experienced, and was able to describe it to a T before I ever even told anyone about it by the couple people in that room there with us. I guess the final thing about the story as well is that it's something that we didn't even notice until after the fact, but a few days later, we were looking over the pictures we'd taken because we did take a lot of pictures there just because we thought, who knows what we'll see. You know, stuff looks really neat. Maybe we'll see an orb or something. But we saw a lot better than an orb. I took a picture of the bathroom that we were hearing all the noise from And my friend Chris also took a picture of that same bathroom. And you can see in my picture, it's just a bathroom. In his picture, you're seeing the sink, which is the same thing that I have. But underneath that sink, you're seeing a ton of black smoke or something that looks like black smoke coming out from under it. And we have no idea what that was, but that was in the bathroom while we were constantly hearing noise all night. I would say that if you ever go to Jefferson, Texas, definitely stay at this hotel. And definitely (laughs) leave a review. I mean, it never gets old.
3: And there are people still adding stories to it now from their experiences. So overall, I I don't know if Holly would return here. She was pretty freaked out. um, but I think that I would give it a try again. It was definitely exciting for me. Normally, I'm that skeptical person. um, So when strange, unexplainable things like this happen, I I definitely want to go back and check it out sometime.
0: The historic Jefferson Hotel is located in the Pine and Cypress Swamp Country of Marion County, Texas, near the banks of the Big Cypress Bayou. This area was once inhabited by Caddo Indians, and many mysterious fables and tales exist of the ancient Caddo spirits that whispered through the cypress boughs of the nearby bayou. In the 1840s, Cotton was king in this area, and many a steamboat navigated from New Orleans up the Mississippi River to the Red River, and then up Cypress Creek to the newly founded town of Jefferson moving cotton and other commodities to market. The Jefferson Hotel began life as a warehouse to store cotton around 1851 and changed hands many times in the following years. Sometime in the late 19th century or perhaps early 20th century, the building was transformed into a hotel and has served as a haven for weary travelers since then. As you walk through the halls, peering into the rooms, visit the lobby, you feel as if you're stepping back in time with all the period furniture, antiques, and decor. The hotel has accommodated southern bells and riverboat gamblers. It was once known as the Crystal Palace in the Roaring Twenties, with ragtime music echoing down its halls. And it's even said that the hotel housed a bordello at one point. The staff and guests of the hotel say that there's more to the hotel than stories and tales of the historic past. There are ghosts and spirits still residing within the hotel's storied walls, and many of these experiences are recorded in a book behind the registration desk Many refer to as the Book of the Dead. And the pages are filled with handwritten accounts of strange noises, footsteps in the halls, cold spots, and eerie sightings. One of the most frequent sightings is a pair of children, always described as a boy in knee-high breeches and a girl in a pinafore, white leotard and black high-top button boots, and often heard laughing and chasing each other down the halls. They are known as practical jokers. They move small objects such as coins or keys. There's also a tall male figure in a long coat and high boots with pants tucked in. He's apparently the most solid, hard-to-miss apparition. Many have spotted him in the rooms at night, and others have followed him down the hall, only to have him suddenly disappear. Room 19 at the hotel is particularly high in paranormal activity. One story is of a young prostitute, possibly named Judy, who was stabbed by a patron and left to die in the room's bathtub. She is said to appear in the mists of the hot showers, and leave messages in the mirror. Another ghostly guest of room 19 is named Libby in white, a beautiful young woman in a bridal gown. She is believed to be the pregnant bride who was left at the altar and subsequently hung herself from the unusually tall headboard in room 19. It was hard to determine if the Jefferson Hotel is still open to the public currently, but if you happen to be passing through the town and you need a place to stay... Perhaps it will be open and there will be a vacancy just for you. We'll be right back with two more cautionary tales for you after this short break. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Oh Boy Print Shop, custom printed t-shirts made in Austin with love. Now there are many reasons why I love this family-owned print shop and why Oh Boy is my go-to shop for all things Night Owl, but let me pick one to rave to you about today. Have you ever ordered custom tees from an event or bought some from your favorite band or company, only to realize that they're thick, scratchy, and look like you're wearing a bag that isn't very flattering on you? Well, that's one thing that won't happen to you when you're with Oh Boy Print Shop. They offer a variety of t-shirts to provide the right choice to meet your needs, I myself prefer comfortable, slightly fitted tees that look and feel awesome enough to wear every day, either by themselves or under a throwover shirt or sweater. Boy Print Shop helped me pick out a tee that fit those needs, and honestly, when I open my closet in the morning, I skip all my other tees and go straight for the night owl shirt, because it's the most comfortable and flattering tee in my entire closet now. Boy's aim is to provide you with the options that help you get the product that meets your every need. So, there's no more need for hesitating. Order your first batch of custom-printed tees with O'Boy Print Shop today, and you'll be in great hands. Plus, now you can get $50 off your first order by simply mentioning the Night Owl Podcast. So what are you waiting for? Visit O'BoyPrintShop.com. That's O-H-B-O-Y PrintShop.com. Next up, we'll hear from Alyssa. This story takes place at the Magnolia Hotel in Seguin, Texas. The place began as simple as a two-room log cabin with a dog trot around 1840. The cabin was built by James Campbell, a veteran of the Texas Revolution, one of the original Texas Rangers, and also founder of the town originally called Walnut Springs, later changed to Seguin in honor of Texas patriot Juan Seguin. But Mr. Campbell was only able to call this home for a short time because he was ambushed and killed by raiding Comanches as he was traveling to San Antonio one day. He is said to be one of the many ghosts who haunt this establishment. The new owner, Jeremiah Strother Calvert, expanded the cabin and it became Seguin's first stagecoach stop and eventually a hotel. The basement was hand dug by slaves and was used as an Indian raid shelter for women and children when the men rode out to engage the raiding Comanches. This same basement was later used as Seguin's first jail. There are still remnants of bars on the windows and latches from the cells still visible. In 1847, the legendary Texas Ranger Captain Jack Hayes married the owner's daughter, Susan Calvert, in the parlor of the hotel. In 1850, three buildings at this site were joined together to become the Magnolia Hotel, one of the finest hostelries in Texas at the time. During Reconstruction after the Civil War, Union soldiers camped across the street, and Ulysses S. Grant himself stayed at the hotel during one of his visits to Texas. The Magnolia Hotel flourished until 1920, when it became a boarding house. In 1927, it turned into apartments and operated as such until the late 1990s. The building was abandoned for the next 20 years, except for transients and dope addicts. In 2013, Jim and Aaron Getty purchased the property feeling the need to restore and preserve this historic building. The Getty's report that the ghosts began to appear almost immediately. Both Jim and Aaron are receptive to their presence, and Aaron seems to be the one most in touch with that side. More than a dozen ghosts have introduced themselves to the Gettys. Among them is the cowboy who rode in on the stagecoach from San Antonio and shot himself in the head shortly after his arrival. An African-American youngster named Little John enjoys tossing pebbles at unsuspecting guests near the back door. James Campbell, the Texas Ranger and original owner, likes to hang out in the gentleman's smoke room. The sound of boots walking across the floor, the smell of cigar smoke, and the rocking chair moving on its own are commonplace here. But the most famous ghost is that of Emma Volcker, whose head was bashed in by a nighttime killer in nearby New Braunfels, Texas, in 1874. Her killer, a pharmacist by the name of William Faust, stayed at the Magnolia Hotel the night he committed the murder. The story goes that Faust's wife was staying at the Volcker house that night and sleeping in the Volcker's daughter's room. Mr. Faust was in love with his wife's sister and had planned to murder his wife so he could be with her. Mr. Faust went to the Volcker house in New Braunfels, axe in hand, and proceeded to attack who he thought was his wife. But unfortunately, it turned out to be 12-year-old Emma. He escaped back to Seguin and hid out that night at the Magnolia Hotel. He was later arrested, charged with the murder, and eventually killed inside the jail in New Braunfels, Texas. Both William Faust and his unfortunate victim, Emma, are said to be long-term residents of the Magnolia Hotel now. As I mentioned before, Hotel co-owner Aaron Getty said, I love it when people say, if these walls could talk. Because here at the Magnolia, they do. And Alyssa is here to tell us about the night she spent investigating the Magnolia Hotel, the warning the walls gave her that particular night, and how she regrets not listening to them. I call this story, The Warning.
2: My name is Alyssa Onyx. I am 30 years old and currently living in Austin, Texas. I am a makeup artist and fashion stylist during the day, and at night, the Mistress of the Dark Ego comes out, and I'm all about anything creepy, haunted, spooky, macabre, you name it, and I grew up with an interest in the paranormal. I grew up on a ranch in Texas that had a lot of activity, and so... The interest, the excitement, all all of the above was there from a very early age. And I've had a wonderful privilege of being able to travel to a lot of places in the state and across the country. Unfortunately I haven't gone overseas, but I plan to make that happen. There's a lot of great places to check out and luckily, you know, haunted culture has, you know, stayed throughout the years and has continued to stay and I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. So With that said, I have seen a lot of things and have my questions. I have my beliefs. You know, I've never really seen anything too disturbing outside of anything on television or film. But there was one night that really changed my whole life, my whole perspective, the way I view the afterlife, the way I view our own immortality, and honestly, my protection and my sanity. I usually will go into a place with the utmost respect, of course, or whatever may be working. I never really pictured to come across something so emotionally taxing like I did this particular night a couple of years ago. And it was very late into the summer, very hot. There's a place about an hour outside of Austin called Seguin, Texas. And there is a fabulous hotel that was built in the 1840s there. And it's called the Magnolia. it's a beautiful piece of property. Lots of history. As you can imagine, something so old has seen so many walks of life. From billionaires from the stagecoach eras who would come and smoke cigars and drink brandy. Just like the Titanic days to cowboys and Indians. But the minute I stepped onto this property, it was just unreal. I was just inundated with... A huge negative feeling, a huge negative force, almost like I probably should have. And now that I think about it, I should have gotten in my car and left. But I continued on inside. I was with two other people. I was filming a, just a small little, you know, small little video of the place and the history. And it was being renovated at that time, so we wanted to capture that and just to see what would happen throughout the night. So we spent about 12 hours there. And everything's good for a while. Um, I felt heavy. I felt sad at times. I felt agitated to an extent. But I can usually keep my cool. I can usually chill myself out. But the more we went on and the longer the night went on, it just, it just got to be a little bit too much. And I should have listened to my gut instinct. But we did end up in one room about eight hours in. And, again, two other people are with me, two skeptics at that, hardcore skeptics. I mean, they neither one of these two individuals had ever had a paranormal experience or had ever seen anything. So it was all very new to them. And um, one of the guys being the camera operator didn't say a word, just followed us around. The other individual was talking aloud, you know, trying to drum up some activity and being a little bit too uh, precocious and a little bit too aggressive for my taste but it is what it is I let people do their thing and I stay to myself and about the time his agitation got to sky high levels about the time he started to get very aggravated with you know up until that point there had been bumps and bangs and moans and doors shutting nothing too crazy but he was wanting more and he knew exactly who to attack to get some type of energy flowing. And that being the individual, William Faust, the serial killer who unfortunately murdered a little girl. Again, this place has seen many, many people throughout the years. It still does. So with that said, he just really tried to get him going and really tried to get that energy flowing. And I knew something bad was about to happen. I tried to exit the room. I was starting to feel very lethargic and very emotional to the point where I just couldn't keep any of it in check. And the headache set in, the nausea set in. This was all new to me. I've never had anything physical like that happen to me before. And just as I was about to leave the room, just as he was starting to get very aggressive and cuss and just get very erratic with this individual spirit, I felt a force. On, in and around my chest like I had never felt before. I mean, honestly, it felt like something was stopping me dead set where I was. And all I could do was take a breath and drop my head and just back up against the wall just together myself and just try to keep my composure. All I wanted to do was leave. That I, I did not want to stay in this room. I did not want to stay on this property. I wanted to leave. There was no pulling my partner out. So I back up against the wall, and at this time, the cameraman showed the camera onto me, and I'm pretty small, 5'5", five five, my hair is flat, I wasn't wearing anything crazy, I had glasses on, there was nothing, nothing at all that could have projected onto me what showed up behind me. But uh, my shadow was instantly replaced with, a six-foot-tall horned creature, and that is really all I can describe it as. I don't know how else to, to bring this description to life other than it was a very tall, abnormal, very scary-looking shadow. Of course, none of us knew this at the time. If the camera operator saw it. He didn't say a word Nobody nobody knew of this. No one knew exactly what was going on until the footage was surfaced and until we were going over the footage. Um, honestly, I don't remember anything after that. All I know is from first hand accounts of my partner and the camera operator of what happened, but we spent a good four hours more in this location, in this property, and I had a full mental breakdown. Um, I had to leave at one point and I spent the remainder of what was supposed to be our night because we had the place for a full day. I spent the remainder of the night just throwing up violently in the bathroom and just as someone who suffers from anxiety and, and panic, you know, disorders, I know what freaking out feels like and just completely just topped that. I was hysterical. I don't remember leaving. I don't remember driving home. It took me anywhere from two to three hours to get home, which again, Sagin is only an hour away. It shouldn't have taken me that long. And what transpired over the next couple of months was very violent. I had a lot of poltergeist activity in my home. Um, finances, relationships, mental health, diet, sleep, you name it, everything went horribly. Everything went off the rails. To the point where I had to have a personal friend and a priest come to privately work with me for three months for the remainder of that summer and early fall to get me back to where I needed to be. My home was in shambles. My life was in shambles. And that was the night that completely changed my whole outlook on the paranormal and possession and demons and demonic activity. Luckily, we do have the footage that my partner did graciously show me, and he was very hesitant to release it because it did shake him to the core. So it's a night I will never forget. It is a night that taught me a huge lesson on how to handle such a situation because I should have left. I should have listened to my gut instinct. These are things that you don't want to mess with, and these are things that you don't want to have attached to you. Take it from me.
0: Last stop for the night, Las Vegas, Nevada. The haunted museum in Vegas is listed as Las Vegas' scariest attraction. The museum opened for business in October of 2017 by famed ghost hunter Zach Bagans. The museum is housed in a mansion that was constructed in 1938 by a businessman by the name of Cyril Wingert. Mr. Wingert was a prominent banker, public utilities manager, and civic leader who helped turn Las Vegas from a town into a city. The mansion is said to be inhabited by angry spirits of many deceased relatives of Mr. Wingert, and stories say that dark rituals were held in the basement of this mansion in the 70s. The museum's tour follows creepy winding hallways and secret passageways into 33 theme-decorated rooms housing exhibits and actual artifacts relating to the paranormal. These include items such as Dr. Keforkian's death van, an actual mummy, and even Michael Jackson's death chair. Other exhibits include the actual staircase from the infamous Demon House in Indiana and the Dybbuk Box, the world's most haunted object. The Dybbuk Box is a wine box or wine cabinet which is believed to be haunted by a Dybbuk, which is defined as a restless, usually malicious spirit believed to be able to haunt or possess the living. Housed at the museum is also Peggy the Doll. It is said to be possessed by the spirit of a woman who was born in 1946 in London, England. Its effects on people is well documented, among them being migraines, chest pains, and nausea. Some say the museum is silly, full of trickery and gimmicks, and some jokingly call it the not so haunted museum. But with the previous history and the huge collection of antiques and artifacts, who's to say there are no spirits attached to the multiple items that are housed there? I call this final story Stowaways.
4: My name is Jennifer. I'm originally from San Antonio, Texas. I've lived in Austin for the better part of 15 years now. And this story takes place in Las Vegas, Nevada. It was last September, a friend and I decided that we were going to go to Las Vegas just to have a weekend. I hadn't been since I was about 14, and who really experiences Vegas when you're 14? So I thought, okay, let's go. And since I was tiny, for whatever reason, I've always been interested in... Hauntings and ghosts, in the paranormal, in scary movies. I think the first movie I ever remember watching was Interview with the Vampire, and the one immediately after that was The Exorcist. So, not really sure what my parents were thinking, but that's that's my earliest memory. So, first thing I did when I knew we were going to Vegas is I googled Las Vegas and haunted. And the very first thing that pops up, and you can go to Google right now and do this yourself if you like, the first thing that pops up is the Zach Bacon's Haunted Museum. Now, I haven't had cable, I've only had Netflix and Hulu for the past like decade, so I had no idea who Zach was, so I started looking him up, trying to figure out, you know, who is this guy, why does he always look so douchey in every photo, how did he come to have so many haunted things in one place, so I decided, okay, whatever, this looks good, we're gonna go. So I bought my friend and I a ticket, and I got super excited, ready, ready to go. We get there, and they make you sign this crazy waiver that basically says if you die, it's not their fault. And I was like, whatever, I want to go inside. Let's do this. So I signed it, and it was an incredible ride. I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't been. It was amazing. It was basically two hours of haunted memorabilia and things that were used in actual occult practices, things that were actually used uh, by serial killers throughout history. There's just a lot of intense negative energy things in that um, in that space. And once it was done, I, I absolutely loved it. I had a great time. My friend and I could not stop talking about it. We got back home. I started looking at ghost adventures. I was trying to figure out, you know, absorb everything that I could that had to do with Zach and his, you know, the hauntings. And I started noticing that since I came back from Vegas, I was having really bad headaches. I was having dizzy spells randomly throughout the day. Whether I was well rested first thing in the morning, I had a headache. I'd be at work just, you know, minding my own business, typing on the computer, I would get a dizzy spell out of nowhere. And it, it started to feel really strange to me because I don't normally have those issues. Uh, from there, I started being woken up in the middle of the night. And I'm a light sleeper, but once I usually, once I'm a- asleep, I'm asleep. You know, it takes a lot to wake me up. And I started waking up at 315, 325, 326, you know, 305, 345. And it wasn't lost on me being a horror fan that, that is the witching hour, you know? So I started thinking, okay, well, maybe something's going on here, but I I don't really know what to do about it. So I started getting nervous about sleeping by myself, so I allowed my dog to come into my bedroom with me, and he would sleep at the foot of my bed, or on the foot of my bed, rather. And one night, instead of waking up on my own, I woke up to the sound of him growling. And I reached over, grabbed the flashlight that I keep by my bed, and I, I turned it on to see what he was growling at, And what I saw was him standing at the foot of my bed, looking off into the corner of my bedroom, baring his teeth, and his hackles were raised. And I couldn't see anything, so I got really scared and decided, you know, this is a bad idea. So I kicked him out of the room. (laughs) If there's something in there, I don't want to know what it is. Please just, just leave the room. And that's when I started feeling that something was in the room with me during the day, minding my own business, you know, I'd be folding laundry, and I just kept looking over my shoulder, because it felt like something was just there, and I I couldn't explain it, but it felt like someone was just standing there, and I started not only being woken up at night, I started waking up to the sound of somebody yelling in my ear, and I couldn't, I couldn't make out what it was, it was just yelling, and when I opened my eyes, it sounded kind of like an echo down a hallway, it started to fade, and I got I got really nervous you know it takes a lot to startle me and I just was not comfortable in my own space anymore and uh, one day I was sitting down reading a book and I decided I had to go to the bathroom so I set the book down left the room and when I came back the book was flipped over on the other side than I had left it and that's when I decided okay enough is enough and I reached out to my my psychic my tarot card reader here in Austin And we decided to meet in a neutral location at Peace Park downtown. And when I showed up, I gave her a hug like I, I usually do. She grabbed me by the shoulders and pushed me away. And she said, where did you go and what did you do?
5: I'm Chosen Ice. I'm a local psychic medium, health educator, a community activist here in Austin. I have been offering my services professionally since the age of about 14 So almost 25 years now. Jen has been a wonderful client of of mine almost as long as I've been in Austin. So when she reached out to me, I, I didn't think anything of it because it's typically, you know, she normally likes to check in. But as soon as she reached out to me and I sat with it for a while, I immediately knew something was wrong. Energetically, she did not feel the same. And when I met her in person at Peace Park, I immediately felt other energies attached to her. And I immediately asked her, literally, where the fuck have you been?
4: And I said, what are you talking about? You know, I, I hadn't told her anything. I just told her I wanted to meet. Uh, and she, she said, you have something on you. She says that, in fact, I think it's two somethings. You picked something up. Where did you go? So I explained to her about the Haunted Museum, and she told me I was crazy. She couldn't understand why I would go into a place with so many objects. And she, from there, was able to tell me the descriptions of the the two spirits that she was picking up on. One was that of an older gentleman. She described him as wearing like a, a big brimmed black hat and a big overcoat. And she said he had two silver pistols on his hips. And she said he was a very menacing man, that he was very oppressive towards women, and that he, his M.O. in life and in the afterlife was putting women in their place.
5: He felt like he could have been from the late 1800s, early 1900s. I kept feeling like saloon girls, gunfights, gunslinging. But women were property. Women were meant to be objectified in his world. They were not of any significance outside of his own pleasure or gain. They were just literally at best property. Um, He felt very oppressive, very belligerent, very domineering, and he did not feel safe to be around.
4: She said anytime he's around, you'll probably feel a headache or you'll probably feel dizzy, which is everything I had been feeling. And I was getting really freaked out. So I said, okay, what about the other one? What does the other one look like? And she says, well, that's a little girl. The other energy that I felt
5: was from a little girl, and I, she picked this one up in particular during her travels. I kept seeing desert. I kept seeing, like a, I kept feeling a dry, arid climate, but I also kept feeling a little girl who did not understand boundaries,
4: who did not understand that, that a compliment didn't mean it was time for you to latch on. She thinks you're just her absolute best friend. She loves you. You can do no wrong in her eyes. She loves you. And my mind just immediately started racing back. What rooms was I in? What did I touch? What did I do? Because in the museum, they allow you to touch different things and stand in certain places. And anytime it was offered, I was the first in line to do it. You know, this, this stuff is very interesting to me. And so I'm just, I could not figure out where any of this stuff was. But I told her, I'm not being able to sleep at night. So I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Help me. I then began
5: to explain to her that I felt like these energies definitely needed to, you know, be released from her, needed to pass on. I especially voiced my concerns, extreme concerns, about the male energy that I felt. And, you know, not to just throw this out there, sometimes in the spirit world, you know, when when we're reading for people, it's difficult because the the physical world, you know, has more you know deals more with gender fluidity and things of that nature but a lot of times for readers it's it's hard to I don't want to subscribe to that but if you're seeing male you can't help but say male you know so sometimes when people come to see media, they're like you know they want you to use you know masculine or feminine but you can only give what you get I then advised her that you know there would be a three-step protocol I made her a blend of different herbs and baths that I needed her to use in order to strip herself of her aura, but also to create boundaries and barriers around her energetic field and her personal space.
4: So she says, "Okay, I'm I'm gonna mix you up a batch of uh, Florida water, agua florida, and." I said, okay, I don't know what that is, but if you think that'll help, she says, yes, I'm going to make you that. I'm going to give you a list of things to take, and I need you to take a series of three cleansing baths. You need to do them over the course of a full moon cycle, and you need to make sure that when you do it, you cover yourself from head to toe. Don't Don't miss an inch of your body. Make sure you are fully immersed in this water. And I said, okay, I, I, I don't know what any of this is, but I'll give it a shot. And she said, just as a warning when you do this, the spirits won't be happy that you're trying to get rid of them. And I thought, awesome, you know? uh, I I don't know what's gonna come from this. And she says, you know, they might not do anything, but they also, they may resist you. And I thought, okay, cool. So did the first bath. Nothing really happened. I still continued to wake up at night. My dog, at this point now, he would be lying on my bed, we'd be sitting there watching TV, and he would just yelp, get up, and run out of the room. And he would just turn around and stare at me. Stare back into the room I like somebody had hit him almost. Uh, I, I didn't know what was going on. I started getting more and more nervous. So immediately after that, I took my next cleansing bath, the second of three. And after that, I, I noticed that I was having scratching and bruises appear on my arms and my legs. And so I, I text, you know, my, my reader. I said, hey, is, is this part of it? She says, yeah, that's them resisting. They don't want to go. And I, I tell her, so I don't know why this is happening. I, I just wanted to go have fun at, you know, this, this haunted museum. I just wanted to enjoy myself in Vegas. And she says, well, I don't know if you know this or not, but you're an empath. She says, you, if not now, will soon possess the ability to see spirits and to communicate with spirits. And I said, that's awesome. I don't want to. I, I would really rather not. And she says, well, okay, but you're, you're going to. So we continue. Still same thing. My dog won't come into my room anymore. I'm still, I'm going on a month and a half now of little to no sleep every night. I've, I started leaving my television on at full volume just so that I wouldn't fall asleep, that I wouldn't be woken up by whatever it is that was bothering me at night yelling in my ear and I, again just sitting sitting in my room just trying to make the best of the situation I my dog reacted to something and I look over and I saw a single like a tendril a curl what look like like a dark blonde color dark blonde hue of hair just floating in the air and it it freaked me out, and I just kind of I closed my eyes, and when I open it again, open them again, it was gone. There was there was nothing there, but now my dog was roaming the edge of the bed, just looking at the floor, like he was he was looking at something. He was he was playing with something. This time his tail was wagging, so he wasn't scared, but he was playing with something that I could not see. Um, so again, take to my phone. My reader says, "Oh yeah, that's a little girl. She's she's got curly blonde hair." And I thought, okay, well, I, I, I want this to be done. So I took my third and final bath, my cleansing bath, on the, exactly a month out from when I took the first. And after that, it was just like somebody switched on a, off a light. It just it stopped. Everything stopped. I was sleeping through the night again. My dog was coming back into my room, having, having no troubles. Uh, I, I was well-rested for the first time in about two months. I didn't hear anything. I didn't see anything. From then on, it was just like nothing had ever happened. And it's kind of put me off of going to haunted places a little bit before I did it a lot more frequently. Now I still do it, you know, despite what my reader has told me (laughs) and despite what my experience tells me, I I still do it. But I will say that I am a little bit more cautious now and I do now sleep with a St. Michael candle lit. And previously I had to sleep in a completely dark room. Now I cannot sleep without that light on. I'm hoping that goes away soon. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you see it in movies and you hear stories about it and it sounds really fun. But when you're experiencing it, it's anything but. And you, you just want it to stop.
5: One thing that I would definitely like to say is that, you know, when you go to places that um, have a lot of spiritual activity, regardless of if it's a cemetery or a haunted tour or any any you know even your, your you know old home within your family be very cognizant of the fact that one it's not always just the building the physical structure a lot of times the land is where a lot of these entities are like kind of tethering themselves to so you have different timelines happening within a physical structure a lot of times that people don't think about so If you know that you're particularly susceptible or prone or sensitive to being around energies, like if you know that you are pretty intuitive or empathic or psychic, um, I always recommend keeping something on you like a piece of black tourmaline, a piece of onyx. Keeping a bottle of salt water handy helps a lot. Um, That way when you come from out of these places, you can sprint yourself and it kind of helps to give yourself a quick, it's almost like hand sanitizer. In a spiritual way, and then you can get home or get to your practitioner and like really strip. But don't go into these places lightly, just thinking of them as novelty. A lot of energies get attached to people and their weaknesses. With Jen, she gave the little girl a compliment, or the object, I should say, that was pertaining to her um, a compliment. And this is a little girl who never really knew like genuine love. So she got really attached to Jen because Jen actually was being a genuine person, something in this spirit never knew. So keep in mind that you're going into someone or something else's territory. Be respectful. Don't take it lightly. Don't just view it as a novelty. And when in doubt, should you start hearing screaming, you know, voices? If you start feeling more depressed, if you start feeling as if, you know, your mood is shifting and you don't quite understand why, seek help. You know, that's why people like myself are around. We're here to do the work and we're here to help you guide yourself through it. And yes, you can go on Pinterest and Wikipedia and all these places, and there's all this information out there, but I highly recommend, you know, seeking professional assistance because sometimes you wind up making the situation worse without even realizing it.
0: As Chosen Eyes suggests, it's wise to arm yourself, but to take it one step further than carrying crystals and salt water, I advise you to educate yourself. If you're interested in the paranormal, research the places you might visit, learn the histories and the stories surrounding them, but most importantly, learn about your own spiritual susceptibility. And Before you pack your bags and visit that haunted site, or take that ghost tour, you have to stop and ask yourself, I mean really ask yourself, if I go looking, do I really want to find what it is I'm looking for? Because one of these times, you will. If you're interested in readings, Chosen Eyes is a local Austin psychic, and you can find her services at ChosenEyes.com. Also, our team member and spiritual practitioner, Alexis, along with his partner, Eric, have their own practice called City Alchemist. I'm excited to announce that we're planning to offer workshops soon, where City Alchemist will educate anyone who's interested in the many things that Alexis does on our show, like protection, cleansings, and offerings. Keep an eye out on our website and social media pages for updates on this, and you can also follow City Alchemist on their social media pages at City Alchemist. Our investigative series, Origins, continues on November 25th, and don't forget to keep an eye out on our social media and website for upcoming events. Patreon supporters always get early access to tickets, so if you don't want to miss out on anything, simply visit our Patreon page and support our show for as little as a dollar a month. And a special thanks to this episode's sponsor, Oh Boy Print Shop. If you have the need for custom t-shirt printing, you can feel at ease in the hands of Oh Boy Print Shop. Be sure to mention the Night Owl Podcast to get $50 off your first order. And don't forget to stop by the Clay Pit in Austin, Texas and ask for the Night Owl Hidden Spirits menu. Grab a special haunted cocktail and support the show. Thank you all and stay restless out there. This podcast was mastered by David Dalton of Drift Sound. If you're ready to up the production quality of your podcast or music, go to driftworksound.com. That's D-R-I-F-T, worksound.com. And get your project mixed, mastered, or produced using well-established methods and unconventional techniques. That's driftworksound.com. And remember, your first master is completely free.